Welcome to Point Your Toes, the adventures of an NYC dance teacher. I'm your co-host, Danielle Colangelo. And I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. This podcast is all about the adventures that Danielle and I have as dance teachers and choreographers living here in New York City. We will be sharing our experiences and all the ridiculous and hilarious truths. However, to keep the identity of the students and companies we have worked for safe, we won't be mentioning any by name, and if we do, they will be changed. That being said, let's get into today's topic, conferences and festivals. So, in the midst of normal life as usual, um, I was researching some projects and things I want to work on, and several festivals came up in my purview. And talking with Danielle today, she too was working on a festival um, and conference. So, and then, of course, it's still competition season, so we have lots of friends going to competitions. And some of them are actually really big weekend festivals or conferences. Mm -hmm. And so I thought it would be a great time to kind of talk about the do's and don'ts like the why i think they are such a vital and important part of like young dancers life and even like working professionals life um because i know several really big name choreographers do these like one weekend dance conference festivals where they come in for yeah. one weekend they're you know like they're in your do town they're in this giant hotel yeah. and then they everybody out. comes and then they're gone the next weekend i think we should um, start with anyone who may be new to dance or doesn't do dance and just listens to our podcast or is not sure um or you know maybe people in other parts of the country or the world that use these words differently we want to um let you know our definition of competition conference and festival and what they mean to us so for me a dance conference is like i said a gathering of people in a specific location they are typically like hotel venues or college universities there are large venues where you have everything from multiple performances uh full-on musicals or full-on plays or dance pieces or concerts or singular pieces um and i use conference is the largest form to me like conferences can be over the course of two weeks honestly Mm -hmm. like conferences can be quite long um, and then when I say festivals, festivals are typically can be one day events or two to two day events, two to three day events. But they're kind of they have the for me the similar makeup of where you can see shows, you can take classes. Um, there may or may not be a keynote speaker with conferences. There typically are keynote speakers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where the words come from for me when I say festival or conferences is that it's just a gathering of like-minded people with a intent behind them. Yeah. Um, um, for me, I would say, you know, we competition is pretty self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. You're going in, you're performing a piece, sometimes multiple pieces or sometimes even part of a show. You're getting judged on it. It's a competition. You're there to win prizes and um ribbons and awards and sometimes there's scholarships and stuff like that a conference to me usually a lot of uh, at least these days a lot of times a conference will bookend a competition yes so a lot of times these bigger um these bigger competitions and conferences will be all in one they'll spend a day or two doing competition and then they'll go into a day or two or three of a conference where it is Bigger choreographers, um, usually a keynote speaker. Yeah. You're taking these like convention style um, classes, and you know sometimes there is like other certain like scholarships and stuff like that given mm-hmm. out. 
Um, that's what I think of when I think of a conference, but it doesn't also always have to be with a competition. Sometimes you can literally just sign up to go to a conference and, um, and you're able to just like have that keynote speaker, take a bunch of classes, see some usually professional performances or what you see at a conference. Oh yeah. And then to me, a festival is like Tony said, usually a smaller event, mm -hmm. almost like a scaled down version of a conference, usually done more in like venue spaces and performing arts spaces versus, you know, convention centers or hotels. Yeah. And to me, a festival is more about the people creating the work versus the dancers, I find. Yes. So it's more about the choreographers. And usually when I think of a festival, I think of these up-and-coming choreographers who are trying to get their names out there, who are starting to break through and become these like more well-known choreographers working with professional dancers and showing pieces. And then sometimes there's classes that follow them up. Um, but that's what I think of is a festival is more about the choreographer's work. It's smaller. A conference usually is more about taking class and seeing older professional dancers perform. Yeah. So now that we kind of like talked about what they are to us, I want to talk about why you should go. So the first thing that I will make blatantly clear, these things get expensive. Conferences and festivals get very, very expensive. Um, I've been attending theater conferences and dance conferences since I was in ninth grade, ninth grade, yeah, ninth grade. So like a very, very long time, and they're not cheap. I like, especially no. at this point in my career, I have gone to them as a student, and I've gone to them as a teacher, and I've gone to them as a performer. Like, these are not cheap things to do. They can get very pricey, especially if you're not particularly close to capital or the capital of your state or country, or your major cities. You know, they can get very pricey. But the reason why I say you need to like make it a part of your curriculum or of your studio's trend to go to these, or even if you're on your own to make it a, make it a point to go, is that they can be very life changing and they yes. can be huge exposures to different types of dance, different styles of dance, different types of choreographers. There's an exposure level that happens at a conference or a festival that's on such a grander scheme that like. Sometimes it can serve you better than saving up to take your kids to see one one show. Yeah. You know, out of your season. Yeah, I mean, for me, I just think that even as a dancer when I was growing up and I would go to competitions and usually they'd be bookend by these conference convention type of mm -hmm. things. Um, it's super important to see, you know, other people perform. You get inspired by them. You want to push mm -hmm. yourself. You think about other, you know, dances, maybe dance styles you want to learn. And I think as a choreographer they are extremely important to try oh, yeah. to go see at least to really start to kind of spark that creative mind and kind of get those creative juices flowing but when they are these bigger conventions and conferences they are very expensive was there was one last summer that you and I actually talked about going to I think that was more for adult professional dancers and choreographers yes and they were doing a couple of larger cities they were touring to and we ended up not being able to go because it was like $300 for the weekend or something yeah. or like for and two they're days actually, yeah they're actually doing it was just here in New York and they're actually doing an LA version this time around because it went really well and I've seen tons of videos and like seeing those choreographers working and things like that so like it's definitely one of those things of like better budgeting i would definitely want to try to do the new york branch yeah. again i mean it um, looked um it looked awesome and yeah. i would love to do it i would love to be able to listen to especially as some of those talk back yeah, with so those choreographers as well say, especially as, as someone who's still 
wanting to choreograph and develop you know my own work listening to those talkbacks and what they have to say and seeing their work and everything would be amazing but you know even this one they were taking these really big name choreographers and it's like I don't have $300 for two days to spend on that right. sometimes um so I definitely want to say it's one of those things you have to be prepared for but since we already kind of started talking about it let's talk about seeing shows or seeing pieces when you're doing these festivals or conferences mm-hmm. so it started so for me in high school we would go to these conferences but if we took uh, these were theater conferences, but it wouldn't always just be theater. It would be music, theater, dance, you know, a little bit of everything kind of thrown in together. Yep. And we, if you were enrolled in the drama class, our drama teacher, the requirement was you had to do three critiques of a show that we saw. And at first I used to be like, I hate this. I don't want to do a critique. It became something that we loved. Like we would often like debate like, ooh, who's going to critique this show? Or are you going to skip that show? Going to take a class? Or do you want to critique it? Because I really want to see this show. And so it kind of instilled in us this like lifelong thing of like, you go see shows, you break it down, what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong. Because again, we we would know the title of the show. Or sometimes, again, it's like with any conference or thing, you can know the title of something and then see something completely different. Because, and I remember one year that we went to the conference, I saw three three different versions of Macbeth. Mm-hmm. I saw a Matrix version where there was like like sword battles with like leather coats and like bending Matrix moves. And That's then I cool. saw a completely classical version. And then I saw a stomp version where all the battle scenes were done with like pots and pans on the side of scaffolding. That one was the best. But if you just see Macbeth three times on the, on the list, you wouldn't know that. Um, but like seeing that exposed me to tons of different theater. And the same thing can be said for dance because I, like I said, I entered the dance world through music theater. So I never really thought music theater and ballet, honestly, because I, I seen, saw several ballets when I was younger. But I never thought about concert dance or modern until much later, like in the high school, college, really, mm-hmm. is when I started to really like learn choreographers and about the technique itself. Um, and I even learned how to tap dance before that, but I just didn't have the concrete information. So seeing these shows, like, I just remember it opening up my mind to, like, the first time I saw, like, vaudeville type of dance and style. Like, I actually had a word to put with it then. Or seeing, um, a, oh, what, who was it? Uh, a Graham piece, a Martha Graham piece for the first time. I mm-hmm. thought they were so weird. I still think Graham's a little weird, but that's just me. Yeah, but, like, same. I just remember seeing it for the first time being, like, Oh, this is my... Because, again, I was trained in Horton and Lamone. Mm-hmm. I started in Horton. Never going back. But, like, I... So, it was just very different to see and feel a different style than how I knew. So, it was very... Again, it was just very different. And that exposure came from a conference, you know? Like, my teacher was like, we're all going to this conference. You need... You know? Yeah. I think you'd enjoy that. Go see that, you know? I mean, I, I, I agree. I think it's super important. I think even if you can get to a conference, seeing dance is really important because, again, mm-hmm. same thing. I learned... You know, I knew about certain choreographers and styles all throughout high school and people that I actually really looked into, but there were so, obviously so many choreographers out there that I didn't know about and I learned about when I got to college and for me it's like kind of a nerdy thing but I love seeing the differences between choreographers and knowing the difference between even like in ballet what is baroque versus classical versus romantic I can't do that with ballet talking about that um I love that type of stuff I get nerdy with that type of stuff but and the same thing with um 
taking class though, you know, even those styles or those, yeah, those styles that you don't really necessarily love, it's super important to take because if you do want to create and you do want to be a choreographer or at least try it out, you have to start to develop your own sense of, we've talked about this before, your own sense of style. And your voice. And your voice. So like, yes, Danielle Colangelo, she is a very much a theatrical jazz contemporary choreographer, but there are things that are very um, innately me that you'll see mm-hmm. if you were to actually look at all of my pieces, even a musical theater number versus a contemporary dance number, you would still see moments that are very clearly like, I do all of that across the board, and you don't get to really experience and explore where your voice could come from if you're not taking these different classes. And a lot of it does come from going to conferences. Oh, you yeah. know, Because we, I remember it conven- like class hopping at some of these big conferences of where like we would get done like there was one year that they scheduled them all like really on top of each other so like it was like classic jazz music theater dance tap class so like it was like the same 30 dancers like running yeah from class to class but it was just it gave us exposure to so many different types of style or one thing on the style thing i will say like for me it was definitely like Learning learning and seeing a new style, but also, like, learning whether I hated it as well. Like, because yeah. I, my favorite style right now is Limon and Release Technique. And I can still remember my high college, like, professor being like, I thought you were a jazz person. You just killed that modern combo, but yeah. I thought you were a jazz person. And you don't like, like the floor. And I'm like, now, if I don't choreograph on the floor, everyone's like, this is yeah. weird. Why haven't you? Because that's so you. And we talked about this. Like, your voice and your your style will change but it's true it's also finding things that you don't like and being like "Ooh, Mm -hmm. that doesn't feel good for my body yes so i'm not gonna try to force that i'm gonna try to think about what feels good for my body and that's how i want to move and express it's true because we i think we talked about it me and danielle took a class that was horton based Mm -hmm. and the next day we were both like oh i am super sore oh my gosh yes and she was like oh i haven't done horton since college i was like yeah it was high school since the last time i did horton style so like my body can't handle this um so you do have to learn the styles that you like to take but it's also with taking those classes they offer you an advantage and this is something that even happens here in the city is that um certain chore when a choreographer that you really admire or that you want to work with teach offers a class as particularly at these conferences or festivals mm-hmm. you take it so you can learn their style you can learn how they teach because i i've had this happen at a school i taught at two year, two or three years ago, where the tap program, it was a beginner tap program, and I was teaching tap on Monday, Tuesday, and the other teacher was teaching Thursday, Friday. Mm-hmm. And it was two separate groups of kids, but we, like, so, like, I only saw my kids, she only saw her kids. I learned how to tap through doing the show. Like, I, right. I, I, learned, how to, I learned how to tap for the musical 42nd Street. Right. And... I learned what I need to know from the show, and then I went back and learned the basics. So I did it very backwards. I learned for the show. Like, I knew how to do a syncopated pullback before I had to do a normal pullback. Right. So it, I learned a very funky way. So I te- I kind of teach tap dance in a very, this is what you're doing? Cool, now that you know how to do that, let's go break that down. Or we're going to break it down until we get to the bigger move, which is not the standard way that most people teach tap. I'm very well aware of that. And it does not work for all students. I just know that that works well for me and how I teach. Yes. 
So I was cranking these kids through, but the other tap teacher, she was teaching the exact same thing, but she was just going at a much slower pace. And because these kids we only saw for such a short time, cranking through kind of worked for them. Mm -hmm. And again, they were elementary school, so they were soaking it up left and right. And so right. when she went slowly through things, yes, they were getting the basics, but they weren't retaining in it. But they weren't retaining it because they were getting bored because, like, we already did this. Versus, like, if I spend an hour on flaps, I'm going to spend, you know, an hour on shuffles, and I would just keep switching them up. Right. So taking different teachers, particularly choreographers of, like, music videos and musicals, no two choreographers the same. Even if they're trained under the same school, like if yeah, no two that, court right. teachers are the same because they're going to be able to put you know yes the basics the warm up this specific technique things you have to learn before oh, yeah. you get into the choreography per se is going to be the same. But once you get especially once you get into that choreography section, the learning a combination, learning mm -hmm. a phrase, it's going to be their voice and their style. And it's just, in learning how that's going to work can, again, help you and prepare you for when you start auditioning for them in the professional world. Because it's mm -hmm. always, here in the city, every couple of months or so, a big-name choreographer will hold a giant workshop and everyone will go flocking to it to be like, to see this person, you know, to take class with them, to see how they work, how they interact with dancers, how yep. they talk, you know, because there's one particular Broadway choreographer that, like, I've heard recently that he's calmed down, but when he first... I want to say it, it was that his first Broadway show, but he his first big Broadway show, which I will not say because you can totally look it up. Mm. He was cuckoo cachoo. Like he would talk to his movers, calm, easy, manageable voice, mm. and then like turn to the dance ensemble and like rip them a new one. Mm. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm pretty sure he won best chore a Tony for that choreography because those babies were dancing. Yeah. But like the night and day, the way he was talking to them, like everyone was like, you don't know which, we don't, like if you were right and you were doing good, he's your best friend. The right. slightest mess up, he's ripping your head off. And so that just, it was very off-putting. But people took class with him and learned that. And some people, again, some people are fine with that. Some people that doesn't work for. I think it's learning that balance of like, Meeting that choreographer, seeing how they work, you know? Yes, definitely. Do, does, that, does that choreographer teach too fast for you? Teach too slow for you? Uh, do they do a lot of turns? Do they do a lot of jumps? Because, funny enough, I'm going to share a story about Danielle. I auditioned for Danielle for a show a while back. And mm -hmm. we were just, it, it was the callback for, it was the dance callback. And we were all hanging out outside of the room. And the first group had gone in. I had purposely went on the last group because we were going to hang out afterwards. But yeah. the first group had went in. And they came out and they were like, there was like, it's like, it's not too difficult. It's not too, it's just fast. Like it's, it's really, really fast. Yeah. And I mean, like, I, I kind of, and me and our other friend, Deontay, we were kind of sitting on the sofa being like, yeah, we kind of know. And everyone's looking at you guys seem so calm. Like it's fast. You want us to kind of show you? We're like, we actually know her. Yeah. <laughs> so we know what we're getting ourselves into, but it was, again, I knew the choreographer. Right. So I knew what I was getting myself into. You know into. what to expect. That's my, and that's one of my biggest things. So there are. Things that are innately me when I choreograph, I love walking patterns and pedestrian movement at some mm -hmm. point during my pieces. I love that. I love, like, moments of breath. I love that. You know, there's all that stuff, right? But I, specifically in terms of audition pieces, I like um, to put together combos. Mm 
that I will usually 98% of the time use in the show. In the oh, show, yeah. Oh, yeah. In the show. I think that's always super smart to do I a combo do of what you're going to, of what you're working on. Typically but, from the really big dance number. So exactly. I can be like, y'all remember from the audition? That That's what I we're mean, doing here. Literally, that's what I did in one of my rehearsals. I'm like, great. So everyone learned this at one point. So we're going to refresh and I don't uh-huh. have to sit here and teach it. Yep. But um, I usually do a lot of relatively simple movement or at least to a professional dancer like pretty simple movement Mm -hmm. but i like speed right so my thing is like instead of doing all these crazy jumps and turns and stuff that not everyone will do i'm doing something that i want to see you be able to like take like be able to show me the style of Mm -hmm. the movement i don't want to see you do a triple or quadruple pirouette and that is something that's very me like definitely in terms of audition pieces I like to do smaller numbers that usually I'll have directors be like, oh, like, that's it? You're just doing, like, three counts of eight? I'm like, yeah. And they'll like, see, they'll see like, me do it, and they'll be like, that's it? Like, how are you going to be able to tell? And I'm like, don't worry. Like, There's plenty of here. I'll me. be able to tell. And, and that so, is so funny, yeah. But again, taking classes does, excuse me, taking classes does that, and that is, like, Something you really just can't trade in when you're at this big conference where I know I can get in front of this last one, this the last big conference, um, the main event. This one, Brian Friedman, who's choreographed for everybody yeah. under the sun. He was doing one, and then you also had Mia Michaels. Brian Michael, uh, Brian Friedman, yes. and Mia Michaels do not choreograph the same way at all. No. Now, are Mia they is both... a Horton House all day. Yes. Are they both contemporary choreographers? Yes, they are. Yes, they are with ballet and modern backgrounds. Oh yes, yes they are. Yes. And but again, Mia's a told she comes from a concert background. She's into the the school of Horton. It's so funny. People are like, where you put her? I was like, it's Horton technique. It's a very Mia Michaels at this point, but it's a Horton base. Yes. Brian Feeman, that's not the case. Like I said, he grew up dancing studio and then jumped to music videos and very, like... So, again, getting in front of both those choreographers over the course of one weekend, super great because you learn how their styles work and how, how they teach and how they choreograph, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's something... It's a, it's a clue into how things work. And I know, particularly for younger dancers, college professors often teach at conferences. Yes. So, you can see how that college professor runs their class. At a conference. Yeah. Because I know it was a lot of... I remember doing a classical jazz, uh, kind of vaudeville, a vaudevillian classical jazz dance class with the professor from uh, uh, Elon. Elon. Several. This is... Mm-hmm. We could be talking almost 20 years ago. I'm old, y'all. Um, but she... I remember her, like, we were doing Across the Floor, and she was like, you're... You're getting the movement, but you're not understanding the style. Focus on the style. She's like, when you get to college, this style, you know, so she was just very clear, like, lock it down, being like, at a collegiate level, I would not, I'm not going to waste time explaining this to you. You know, so that was for us high school kids. We're like, oh, God, we need to get it together. So I think it's a good door into how choreographer works if you're taking class at these giant conferences. Yeah. Which also brings me around to keynote speakers. So... Have typically if the the keynote speaker will perform at some point in time during the weekend, if it's like a um, if it's purely all dance, 
they they will probably their company or a piece uh, a piece from their company will typically open the conference like yes. the big opening conf- opening number yes. or if it's like vocal or solo they might perform and then yeah or do they those, have like speak. some of the um uh I don't know if they're doing it this year but I remember last year and I think maybe the year before shaping sound which is basically a bunch oh, yeah. of professional mm-hmm. choreographers right. who used to be dancers. Um, got together and created their own kind of company for fun, basically, and decided to, like... Kind of, basically. Yeah, yeah, like, for fun, and then decided, like, hey, we'll make, like, a convention out of this or a conference out of this, and their opening would be, like, all of them, all these professional choreographers who were now part of this company, do a big performance for all the people attending. And, it's, it's again, same thing about sharing that wisdom is these keynote speakers, they come in and they... They talk about the world that, that they live in. One of the best keynote speakers I ever heard was Cheetah Rivera. I'll say yeah. it plain and simple. And she talked about how she's like, yes, I have a big name. Yes, I'm leading shows. Anytime you join a new show or a new company, hang out with the you know the ensemble. She's like, she's I started so as a dancer in the ensemble. So she's mm-hmm. like, so that's who I hang out with. She's like, those are the ones that like work hard. They teach, you know, like, and that advice just kind of like steered and cleared my path for me to be where I am now in this world in and again all for the price of one conference yeah you know and again we food weekend travel transportation yes it's expensive but i i don't think you can kind of trade in the experience i got from hearing this person speak or seeing these people perform you know um at a lot of these conferences you'll often get like two companies from several of the big guys Ailey 2 performs at a few conferences or fest. They, yeah. they actually typically do festivals, honestly. Ailey 2's performed at festivals. Parsons 2 has performed at festivals. ABT 2 has performed at festivals. Like, right. I know several festivals where it's like. But that's also why, like, festivals are a great option because. Yes. Now, there are a lot of festivals that are just performance based. Yes. You submit work, you get accepted, everyone gets together, you basically have, like, one day of tech, and then all the pieces are performed mm-hmm. in an evening length show together and it's a way for choreographers and dancers to kind of get to know each other um, and make connections but if at some and get workout but it's some of these festivals there are classes involved and you can come back and take a class the next day or stay after the show or before the show take a mm-hmm. class so and usually those are more either donation based or they'd be like pay 30 bucks instead of like 300 bucks oh, yeah. So there are, you just got to kind of do your research because you could, there is the availability to do these at Oh, festivals. yeah, and some of them, like, are just really cool. Like, I remember taking class, and again, I am not a ballet person. I took class with ABT2 because they were in town, and they did a little festival thing. And so we got to, they were like, they want to push into your, like, a couple, like, they had a performance. No, it yeah. wasn't even a, was it a festival? I can't remember. I know they had a performance that night, and they were like, can they push into your class and, like, take ballet without us and we're all like we're not as qualified as you guys but great and their ballet master ran the class so just like hearing the way and he was the most like he pushed you through passive aggressiveness so it's hilarious but like also like oh my god i have to get it together because i remember we were doing pirouettes at the bar and literally we like our class our standard was just a single pirouette at the bar so we pushed off did a single pirouette landed came back and he was like oh i see we're just getting warmed up all right Let's see if we can hit those doubles this time. And we're all kind of being like, we've never done this. Couple of us hit it, but it was like that kind of pushing ourselves because I'm like, I'm just as tall as these guys. I can do it yeah. too. So it's just like 
that kind of intermixing and mingling and like there are just so many rewards that come from these conferences and kind of like the last two I want to major ones that can be beneficial as to why you you want to go as a choreographer or a dancer or take your students is scholarships and jobs. Mm-hmm. So several conferences I've gone to are job-based conferences where like you go in and you audition or you perform or like Daniel talked about where you submit a body of work and at the end of it, you know, like several com- several theaters be like, hey, we want you to, we want to book your group for our full season, you know, yeah. or I, I'm choreographing this musical at the end of the season and yeah. I need a choreographer. Or, I'd love to work know, with you. you yeah. Know? I'd love for you to come in and do a guest spot, do a get, you know, yes. guest choreograph a piece set a piece on this or for young dancers scholarship money these conferences are handing out because again they want to support the arts they want to keep it going they will hand out scholarship money for everything and sometimes a lot of money like yeah. some of these full rides are several thousand dollars yeah yeah because usually it's not just like straight up money usually it's a you know some places do do money it'll be like a scholarship check that has to go towards something yeah but a lot of them are usually like a scholarship to a summer program or another, yes. you know, another conference or what. And especially because I know um, Debbie Allen, her studio always does like she loves providing education for dancers. So she uh, she's done some too. There's another big company that also like there are several, but like like the the prizes can be again a summer scholarship. Or, you know, like six weeks in New York City taking classes. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot steps, of, yeah, wherever, that's a you lot know. of them too. So it's one of those things of the, there are so many different advantages that you can gain from, again, one super expensive weekend that you, again, they, you know about conferences years in advance. Like I know the one I used to go to for years, uh, SETC. At the end of the conference, they would tell you the dates for, for the next the dates year. and city for the next. Yeah, conference. yeah. Most of the big conferences do so, that. So again, it's one of those things of like if you've ever questioned or been concerned about going or like we're a small studio, I don't know if it's worth it. Like it is. I assure you, even if you can't take all of your dancers, even if you only have a handful of dancers that you truly yeah. think would benefit from it, go. Or even you yourself, you go. Take that weekend off. You yourself go. Go yeah. take a class. Talk with other teachers, you know, fellow dance teachers, fellow choreographers, you know. Um, there is one, there is a uh, one conference in Philadelphia that I was actually looking at that it's it's like all dance teacher. It is a dance teacher yes, yeah. conference. There you know? are, yeah, because we, um, through my job, we talked about trying to figure out a way that we could oh all, God, we could all go. actually go. Yeah, that we could all actually go because there are specific conferences that are just for dance teachers who currently teach kids um, for, like, studios and schools. And you get to meet with all these other teachers, talk about, like, best practices. You get yes, to meet with like, these, you like... you can bring in lesson yeah. plans. There's, like, a whole pedagogy section do, of, yeah, like, how to do Yeah, and you get to, to meet, stuff. usually their keynote speakers are these people with, like, super well-known programs and studios. Mm-hmm. You take class from each other or you take class from other people that come in. So there are all sorts of different types of conferences and festivals you know, you want to go to a dance teacher one. You want to go to one for that's just about creating and choreography. You want yes. to, there are definitely those that exist where you literally go in and you just take workshops on composition and choreography. And it's through that that you're taking class. Um, and there's ones on performing. So. Oh, yeah. I definitely, and I agree, like some of them are more expensive. If you can make it work, I think that 
it will be an experience you do not regret. And then there are ones that are smaller and just even getting yourself to those smaller, less expensive ones Mm -hmm. are going to start to jumpstart that whole process. Because exposure and community go a very long way. Like I was um, speaking with a former student today before we start recording and like he's... So he talked about um, we weren't going to meet, and then at the last minute he went to an audition. He was like, oh, I have an audition. I was like, okay, hit me up after your audition. And he called me. He's like, so they typed me out. I can't go. And, we, you know, so we ended up, like, sitting down and talking. He was just like, the amount of stuff I've learned from just talking with you and other people that, like, have been here and have done this. Because I told him, I don't really go to call auditions anymore. I yeah. either do appointments or I have friends. Like, I just, those big giant calls, I said, they're not that, I'm not doing that at 30 years old if yeah. I can help it. Like, it's just not, I'm not gaining anything from it other than a wasted day that could have been spent furthering another project for me. So I'm not really a big fan of doing it unless I, ha- unless I have it in. And he was just like, I would have never known that. He was like, I kind of like, because I had mentioned it before and he kind of lived it. He was like, yeah, after that, he's like, I stopped. I stopped doing that and yeah. And make, he's like, I would have never thought that he's like, I would have never thought that in college or right after getting here if I hadn't talked with someone. So I just think the benefits of like creating so that community. many people and it's, it's super important to have people that really speak the same language as you in that sense. Yeah. Cause I'm also, I, when I think I'm still like friends with some people I've met at conferences. Like I yeah. just realized that like we met at a conference. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like, that yeah, there's a couple friends I've met at like conference. That much, and it's it's how I feel about working in a in a system where there's a whole dance program and there's different dance teachers throughout the entire city. When we get to get together, I mean, we were together today. The conversations I have with them, the mm-hmm. ideas that are sparked from just hanging out with them or taking class with them and sitting with them, the way that we can share best practices about classes and how we run things, and you know what our next show is going to be about. It really does help you to, like I said earlier, it really helps you to just think more creatively and other stuff you want to do. And then they're, those are the people that you can be like, hey, come create a piece with me. Oh, yeah. Or, hey, oh, come yeah. be, you know, come do this for me. Come do that for me. Um, it's really important to f- be able to have a community of like-minded individuals in that sense. And it all starts at a festival and a conference. Yeah. Those connections. Well, that being said, let's move right along to, I'm sorry, what did you just say? Yeah. So, um, reminding everyone what these sections are about, because I feel like we haven't done that in forever. So, this section is all about, like, those just crazy kooky moments that happen to us in class or, like, through our day-to-day lives and as we're working. Um, and for me, I had a show where we were rehearsing beforehand and I was uh, going through things and the padding on my tap shoe broke. So I was like, oh great, I could do it, but the sound's gonna be a little different. Like, I really just need to get a way to like get this padding on to get me through this show. And it wasn't a really big show, like it was a more informal show, um, informal showing. And so literally I went searching for duct tape because Superglue was not gonna hold that pad, I was gonna move it, pop off easy. So I was like, I just need to duct tape the bottom of my shoe. It'll be fine to get through it. So I proceed to go searching around the school for duct tape. No one in the school has duct tape. So I'm like, I need any kind of tape that's going to hold my shoe. So all the teachers start bringing me different kinds of tape, just obscure kinds of tape. 
Finally, none of them worked. Finally, the janitor comes up with like this yellow, like ridiculously adhesive tape I've never heard of. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. And he was like, it's super bright and it's gonna be noticeable, but it, it like I can tape your foot back on with yeah. this whole thing. I was like, okay, let's try it. Um, the tape is so strong that I can't get it off my shoe now. Oh no. So, well, I need to buy a new pair of shoes anyway, but I was just like, how strong is this tape? So I love dance and I love that when teachers just like come out of the woodwork to help you and that janitor was like my saving grace. He's like, oh yeah, got it, super strong. But yeah, like my shoe is on, on, on super, That's super tight so now. Funny. Or the padding on my shoe is on super, super tight now. So shout out to you guys. Um, I have an I'm sorry what. So I had to, as part of um, the program that I work in, Every once in a while, we have to submit recordings of ourselves teaching for feedback purposes. It's a great way to get feedback and to also do some self-reflection and look at what works and doesn't work. I hate watching myself, but it does, it, it is helpful. So I submitted my video. I, you know, I think it's a pretty good video. I do notice a couple of things. Oh, I didn't circulate the classroom enough, like things like that. I know it's coming. It's not a big deal. It, again, like I said, sometimes it is good to go back, record yourself, go back and watch because you get stuck doing little pattern things that you yeah. realize are hard to break. So I get a feedback email. And at first, you know, it's all fine and dandy, blah, blah, blah. Now, mind you, the class I recorded wasn't even a full class. It was about 15 minutes of a class. And um, the video consisted of my warm-up with my plie exercise and then into the lesson. The lesson that I was working on at the time was... Um, it's social dances. So we've been working on social dances and we were talking about salsa and we were talking about how to count it and how counting and rhythm is so important in social dances. So mm -hmm. not only learning about social dances, but also working on how do we count? How do we keep rhythm? Great. So it's day two. We've already done the whole like historically thing about salsa. We've done the whole watching a video about it. We've already done all that. So I get a feedback email, and this is more about my warm-up. And it says, um, it says, do they, and by they, the, uh, the person means the students, yeah. do they know what first or sixth position is with the feet? Parentheses. I think they're doing sixth position, and parentheses. And do they know what encraw is? What encraw means since they are doing tendus going front, side, back, side. Teaching objectives would be great to prepare students for more advanced technique. Okay. So I read this whole thing and I, you know, I was good. I took a step back at the end, but immediately I started fuming. Because here is a person who does not have a dance background, really, on set maybe of doing it when they were growing up as a child, giving me feedback about my plie um, exercise in which they say are you know I think they are in sixth position now this drives me nuts because there is there's no, no such thing as sixth position none. and I even did that thing where I was like oh my gosh am I wrong like yep. do we call it sixth position now and I got on nope. Google and Googled it no we don't we don't nope. it's parallel what she what she meant was parallel first. Parallel it, first. And Tony and I talked about this when I was telling him this story. Like, you just grow up learning what parallel is. So if a teacher says we're starting in parallel, you know that it's feet in parallel right under your hips. And yeah. if they want it in second, they'll say second position parallel. Yeah. But there is no such thing as sixth position. 
So that just got me being like, okay, so obviously this person has no idea what they're talking about. And then to tell me that like, oh, do they know what Ankara is since you're doing tondus in um, front side back? And I'm sitting there like, what does she mean? Because I'm thinking I'm standing front. You're standing front. I'm doing tondus from fifth. We go front to the side, to the back, to the side, other foot. Front, I'm not moving my body. So those are all front tondus. And I'm sitting there like Ankwa is not, it's not a foot position. It's not me moving my foot from the front to the side. Ankwa is a body position. It's quase. Ankwa means crossed. Quase means crossed. It's your body position is crossed, which means a different, your foot is crossing in front of your body, making almost like an mm-hmm. X. It has nothing to do with your foot going front side back. So that was just my like, and some of the feedback she gave was really great, but that was my moment of like, Danielle, take a deep breath, take a you know a step back. This person doesn't really know dance in and out. They're trying their best, but at the same time, I'm like, if you you know you don't know dance in and out, I understand you're trying your best, but did she? Google, I'm trying like, to think. Did she mix up a term? It. Like I'm like, just Google it if you're not sure, or don't say those words. Don't use that phrasing. Right. Because that's my thing. If she didn't use those phrases, if she used different phrases, I would be like, okay, cool. Right. Sure. But if for, she just there's was not like, a fixed if position. If she just was like, you know, you stood in the front of the classroom and did the exercise with them and I would love to see if the students knew these terms without you doing it in front of them, which side note, I do. It's just that day I did it with them. Um, I would be like, sure, right. great. I'm not body. doing the warm up with them there every day. No, there was no, oh my God, so many, especially my older kids. I'm, I'm not like, doing that warm up with I'm them like, every day. Who's, who's leading warm up because my knee hurts and I'm tired. By the right. end of the day, when I see them, I and I straight up tell them, I'm like, I'm tired. Oh, yeah. Um, but to go forward and use those terms, it's just kind of like, it's hard for me to fully respect everything that is being said then because you don't know what you're saying. Oh, yeah. And maybe that's, you know, and again, that's probably a fault in me and something I need to work on. But, ah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm with you. I just, but when you start using. I'm trying to be like an open person, you know, look, look, look toward myself, take the feedback, but also still like use the right terminology there is no sixth position no. I, will, I will waver because it's one of those things of like another friend brought this up to us years ago and we were both like nope it's not a thing oh my god i was if so the mad. dance world collectively decided to start calling parallel first position parallel sixth position the amount of articles the amount of back like i whole ballet companies would right. immediately be in an uproar the way, literally, the way that dance is taught across the world would drastically be like this. Ain't we'd either be for it or against. There would be much wide it's open just, debate that it's I just, just I don't. Parallel. It's just parallel. That's it. You you don't have to reinvent the wheel. It's so, just parallel. Yeah. Well, that's it for us. The curtain has closed in this episode, but we hope that you will join us next week and every week after that. Episodes come out every Tuesday. You can find us on iTunes. Spotify, Google Play Music, um, Podbean, I and iHeartRadio. Uh, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play Music are perfect places to do that. You can find us on Facebook at Point Your Toes. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at Point PYT. You can email us at PYTNYC29 at gmail.com. I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. And I'm your co-host, Danielle Colangelo. See you next week on Point Your Toes, the adventures of an NYC dance teacher.